Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student. And this is actually the last episode of 2015. So, guys, before I jump into it today, I just want to say thank you for listening. For however long you've been listening, it's been an awesome year. The show has really grown, and I've had the opportunity to talk with a lot of amazing people, meet some amazing guests, including the Secretary of Education of the entire United States. It's absolutely crazy how much the show has grown, and a lot of it is in part to just you listening and supporting the show. So seriously, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting the show. It's been going for three years now, and I am looking forward to keeping it going in the future as well. So in this episode, a really cool, like interesting interview for you with a guy named Heath Paget, who lives in an RV... He graduated from college and he got, you know, he went down the traditional job path, but eventually he and his wife decided to do something crazy. So they bought an RV and they did a trip all around the entire United States where he worked a job in every single state, uh, an hourly job, and he's putting together a documentary on it. But the cool thing is, after doing this crazy go around the entire United States in an RV working job adventure, he continued to live in an RV and he's paid off over $15,000 of his student loans while living super cheaply and utilizing the skills and connections he's learned through this crazy journey to continue working for himself. So to be honest, this is just a really cool conversation with a guy doing something really cool and really out there and really different with his life, but also paying off student debt along with it. And hopefully you'll find this conversation entertaining, but also find some little nuggets of information that you can pull into your own life. So without further ado, show notes are over at CIGpodcast.com. Find the episode 90 link on the page and you can find everything we link to and also links to rate and review the podcast on iTunes if you would like to do that to support the show. And other than that, that's all I got for the intro. So let's get right into this interview with Heath. So uh, my friend Tam introduced me to you and he was like, this guy lives in an RV, travels the country and is like paying down student debt while living off of like less than 2K a month. And I was like, what? For number one, who lives in an RV when they're like 25? (laughs) That sounds awesome. Like, not crazy. It sounds awesome to me, actually. Um, I feel like my life has become so much more, like, big and full of stuff ever since I started doing video. So super minimalistic living in an RV is, like, further and further away from my reality. And I'm just, like, curious about how you do that. So, dude, just, like, give me the rundown of your story. Like, what what took you from college to job to living in an RV and doing your own thing? That's funny. <laughs> yeah, because I never, I never, that was not part of my life plan to live in a, to live in an RV. I even remember a few years ago, I was listening to um, Dave Ramsey, like one of his audiobooks on paying down debt and stuff. Cause I'm just, I was in college at the time thinking to myself, like, I'm gonna have to figure this out at some point. And my mindset at the time was like, I'll just make a lot of money and pay it off at some point, you know? <laughs> um, but he was talking about this couple who lived in a trailer and paid off a bunch of debt. And I remember thinking to myself, screw that. I could never live in a trailer. That sounds like the worst. Um, 
So that was just like a few years ago. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I graduated from college uh, in 2013. I got a job doing uh, selling software at a startup company in Austin. It was kind of just like a cool gig. I wanted to start my own company, do my own thing, but this was just like a segue out of college. Mm -hmm. and, and I did that for nine months, realized I, I hated, I didn't like sales. I thought maybe I could, you know, learn more about starting up a company. As it turns out, I basically just learned a lot about Salesforce and nothing else. And I just didn't like what I was doing. And so I was about to get married at the time and my wife and I wanted to do some traveling. You know, we're 24. I do have debt, but we're, we're trying to figure out how do we get outside of Texas summers? It's pretty brutal. It's hot. Um, yeah. What can we go do? Um, and we came up with this idea for an extended honeymoon across the country. And my wife threw out this idea. was like, why don't we just go to all 50 states? We've always wanted to do that. And I said, hell yeah, let's, let's do it. And um, from there, we decided, well, we need to, first of all, make some money. And we want to have some type of project that we can work on on the road, some type of thing to make us better, some type of purpose. Um, and I met up with a mentor of mine whose name's Josh Young, and he did this. He has this really cool TED talk on rejection. He did this project called 100 Days of Rejection. And I told him, I'm going on this 50 state honeymoon. I'm about to quit my job in sales, and I'm trying to figure it out right now. And he said, You know, why don't you work a job in every state? You know, you can track your progress, you can learn about all these different types of careers and things like that. Uh, and it'll be a really cool experience. And I thought that sounded like the coolest thing ever uh, to do. And so I, I called my wife and she thought it was a terrible idea at the time. <laughs> and she's like, that's stupid. I don't want to work throughout our honeymoon. That's, that's going to be nuts. Um, and not even me, not even thinking, I'm just excited about this new idea that I have. And um, anyway, so I sit down to plan it. I got on Google and I, I looked up jobs in our first state that we were going to, which is Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I start finding these hundreds of job listings uh, on this website called Snag a Job. And uh, as it turns out, I was thinking to myself, like a lot of my friends out of college are still struggling to literally find one job. It's crazy to think that I can go and find a job in every state. This is just a nuts idea. I have bad ideas. Um, but then I just, I found their head of marketing on LinkedIn and I shot him a message and I said that, because uh, the company I was working for at the time like bought me a bunch of in-mails and so I was like, okay, whatever, I'll use one and reach out to this guy. And I kind of told him where I was at. I said, I got this idea, I'm gonna go work a job in every state. Would you guys help me possibly find a job using, uh, you know, in different states using your job board connections and thinking they wouldn't get back to me. And I got a call like 10 minutes later from that company saying, we love this idea. Um, and long story short, they ended up flying me up there a week later. They sponsored us. They gave us a thousand bucks a month. Um, they helped me find nice. half of my jobs and, uh, and they sent us a bunch of film equipment and I had no film experience, but I said, yeah, <laughs> like I'll film a documentary. Um, because it'll be our project like they won't have their say in what's going to be in it it'll be something we can create and I've always wanted to shoot a documentary and so it's something we've learned in the past year anyway and so we uh, we needed a way to go out and um, I'm bringing this in for the landing here we needed a way to travel we needed a vehicle and so that's when we hopped on Craigslist and we bought a 21 year old RV and we did some renovations on it and uh, that was our new home how much did the RV cost you? it was 11500 when we bought it and I didn't know is that, anything is like, about... Is that like cheap or high-end for... I have no idea how much RVs are supposed to cost. Yeah, so I RVs weren't even on my radar. I was thinking... Our first idea was my wife has a Honda CRV. I was like, we'll just take out the back the back uh, little area and put a blow-up bed in there. <laughs> we'll just camp. <laughs> first idea ever. And then it elevated from there like, hey, my grandpa has a pop-up camper. You know, one of the ones that kind of just rise up. And I was mm -hmm. like, we can tow that. and It'll cost us nothing. Uh, and then from there, 
I started looking at truck campers, which is the ones that like sit in the bed of the truck and they kind of go over the top of it um, because I was thinking that might be affordable and I'll get a truck out of it. Uh, and, and we were looking at those and they were like 12, 13, 20,000, 25,000 for a brand new one. I was just like, gosh, that's just crazy. for the and camper that goes on top of the truck. Just for the camper. Holy yeah, crap. Just for the camper. And then I found a website called do it yourself RV, which is a bunch of people renovating old RVs into cool looking stuff. And I was like, I could do that. And, um, and so I sent the link to my wife, Alyssa, and I said, we should look into motorhomes. And I started getting on rvtrader.com and Craigslist and realizing like these were cheaper than the than the pop-up, than the uh, truck campers. And so I was like, we should totally do this. Um, and so we had some savings and we found one for like 13,000. I talked them down and uh, we went and bought it the same day we had looked at it and it was awesome. And I had no, I mean, I had, I knew nothing about RVs. <laughs> so. Oh, that's crazy. So, um, so I'm going to ask you some RV questions because I mean, I want to get into your story, but like, I'm, I'm curious, like, where do you park these things when you're traveling? Cause I mean, you're going all over the place. Is it like a pain in the butt to figure out where to stay the night and sleep and like park it? And so when we first, when we first left, um, we found that there's these membership programs called like Passport America and Good Sam and stuff, which mm -hmm. allows you to, it's kind of like frequent flyer miles for RVers where you can stay at different RV parks and get discounts. Um, and so our average pay payout that we, and I have all these prices I can send you, but our average amount that we spend doing while we did our seven month 48 state tour was like $13 on like per night for RV parks. And so we'd stay at okay. um, RV parks and, and that's just, it's not a trailer park. So there's, that's what we learned right off the bat. There's a big difference between like a trailer park and an RV park. Trailer parks, what you think of when you hear a trailer park, mm -hmm. RV park is usually like retirees that have like quite a bit of money who are just traveling around in their retirement. And so we'd stay at these and they usually have bathroom showers and all this kind of stuff. And when we're on the West Coast, they have a lot of national beautiful parks. And so we camped along Pacific Coast Highway on the ocean. We stayed in Yellowstone and Glacier National Park up in Montana uh, and all these really cool places. And then as we started doing our trip and more people started hearing about it, we started getting invited to just go stay in random people's driveways. So I'd research and make sure they weren't a serial killer. And then <laughs> we'd go and like stay in their driveway and these random people like on these farms and whatever. And so th that's the way we saved, ended up saving a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And we just calculated our expenses for this year. Uh, so we finished our trip last December and this year we've been staying. We said, hey, we like this RV thing. We can keep doing this and it's super cheap. We can pay off some student debt. I had 27 grand graduating from college. And this year we, our expenses have stayed at 2000. So it was like 2033 bucks a month this year throughout the year that we've kind Without of had debt. for <clears throat> Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Okay. I mean, with debt, it's been like a lot higher than that, but like our expenses, not including the debt. Gotcha. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you traveled the lower 48 in 2014, right? Mm -hmm. So those RV parks, are they basically like higher end campgrounds kind of then? Some of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's uh, there's not really a good online uh, review system for like finding <laughs> RV parks just because like everyone in the industry is like, it's like 20 years behind yeah. everywhere. And so I had to like get on Google and like pull up Google sometimes like Google Street View just to make sure it wasn't sketchy. Um, but some <laughs> of them are some of them are super nice, like really high end. Like the one we stayed at in California this year, it was it was really expensive. It was nine hundred and ten bucks. We were staying uh, just south of San Jose, which is the most expensive place in the country to live in. Like a one bedroom apartment is like three grand a month. Oh it's stupid. Gosh. And um, and so RVing out there was like a really cheap alternative to. Uh, to get it, but it had like a hot tub and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, some of them have really nice amenities. 
$910 a month, right? Yeah, but where we've been staying okay. in Austin this year has been 360 a month on the lake. So it's just depends on location. So it's essentially 360 a month per for like rent for every month as long as every, you already yeah. have the RV. Right, yeah. That's really cool. Like, I mean, yeah, it's and and it's your home, right? Like yeah. that's the that's <clears throat> that's the cool thing about it. Um and for me, I think what's been nice is because it it's just like it's definitely changed a lot of my mindset when it comes to like going to a mall even, you know, it's Christmas time right now. And so like even going to a mall, like I don't have that desire to like go out and buy a bunch of crap because I literally have nowhere to put it. Um, yeah. Whereas I used to really be, I loved buying stuff. That was just me. I enjoyed it. I, I mean, I like toys. I had a clothing line that I started in college just for kicks and I had hundreds of shirts laying around. Um, you know, you just, it, it really, it's one of those things where you don't have a choice. It, it definitely, it definitely changes you for sure. So what was the transition period like? Like going from having a lot of stuff to living in such like a small area. Well, like I mean, I did it not long after college, and so when I was in Austin, I was living on a four hundred square foot studio apartment on Sixth Street, mm-hmm. and so I didn't have that much stuff to be honest. Like we got rid of our TVs and some bunch of our clothes and stuff, and I, I left with ten T shirts, um, and it was it really wasn't that bad. I mean, you're on this high because there's this, you're doing this awesome adventure. You know, you just I just got married, and so really it was just it was a lot of adrenaline. But I think the coolest thing that happened was we could go to where opportunities were happening. And so we ended up in um, Portland, Oregon for World Domination Summit. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I went in 2014. Were you there 2014 or were you there? Yeah, I was. We filmed uh, in 2014. So we were on the film team. And so we were like running around with cameras and stuff. And... um, and yeah, I just reached out to Chris Gillibo, the guy that I mentioned, who was kind of a mentor of mine. He spoke there in 2013, Ja Jung. And um, he was like, you should go to this. And I said, okay. And they needed help on the film team. We had been filming all of one month. And so we went up there and we met <laughs> so many people who ended up being really good, like became really good friends of ours. Like uh, there's a guy named Jeff Goins who lives in Nashville. And we filmed a workshop for him when we were coming through and went to Chris's book meetup. And um, Chris emailed me a month ago, said, hey, you guys are in my next book. And I'm like, that's awesome. And, uh, and and so it just ended up being like we found this community and the whole point of that was because we had an RV, we can go to where opportunities are now. And so we're hiring an editor for our documentary. He lives in Alabama and we're going to go stay there for a few months because we want to work with this guy. It's just so we can kind of be mobile. Yeah. So you just drive it and park it in the person's driveway and just stay there. Cause you, <laughs> you said you've been a little bit less mobile this year. You said you were in mm-hmm. California and Texas pretty much. Or did you go yeah. to Hawaii and Alaska too? We went to Hawaii and Alaska this year too. Okay, so you just find an RV park and basically it's just like that's essentially your apartment for however long you want to stay there and then you can kind of like leave when you want? Yeah, pretty much. We're still figuring it out, but mm-hmm. our main goal this year was to pay off debt. Yeah. And being in Austin this year, we had a bunch of freelance gigs and clients and stuff like that that we were able to work with. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed us to live super cheap and make more income so we could throw a bunch of money into paying off student debt. So what's the story behind the RV versus debt thing? Does that mean that like you have other debt on the RV you're paying off as well? Or is it like just living in an RV fighting against debt? Yeah. So we paid, we paid uh, our, out of our savings for the RV. So we paid cash is 11,500 bucks. And, um, basically before we got on the, went on the trip last year, we had to kind of struggle with this idea. My wife has no debt. She graduated from college with no debt. I wasn't as smart as her and I had debt. Um, 
and we were kind of, and I was paying like the minimum monthly amount that you can pay on student debt really. And so I kind of had to figure out, hey, do I, do we try to go on this epic journey and this really big trip knowing that we won't be able to pay off a lot of student debt in 2014? Or do we kind of do the, um, the thing that you're supposed to do and stick around and pay it off and be responsible? And we chose, we chose the, the former to, to kind of be a little bit reckless and go on this journey um, with the hope that maybe we could leverage the experience into you know, doing what we're doing now, which is more freelance gigs that allows us to pay off more, not knowing if that was gonna happen. And so in for, 2014, we didn't pay off anything. We didn't go into any more debt, credit card or anything. We self-financed the whole trip through that sponsor and doing a lot of freelance gigs on the road. Um, but then when we got back this year in January, we we're like, hey, still got 27 grand of debt. This was a really cool journey. Um, but we need to, we want to get out from under this. Uh, and so in early, like around this time last year, my wife and I said, you know what, 2015, 2014, our goal is to hit off of these States, do this Iverly America thing. And that was great. But 2015 is going to be the year of RV versus student debt, where we're going to be hustling to try to base our decisions off how much debt we can pay down this year. Cool. It sounds like it wasn't just like a kind of a reckless, insane trip though. Like there definitely was some, some thought put into how you could get value out of it with like emailing the head of snag a job and all that kind of stuff so i mean i think it was it was probably a good idea um were you just paying the minimums when you were gone though or did you have to like defer your loans how'd that work i didn't even defer them i just didn't pay them oh for real <laughs> what happens yeah, if you don't just, do that <laughs> i mean they called me a few times oh i i think i ended up i did end up deferring them after like a few months of just not paying them okay um Seems and a little so reckless. <laughs> That, that part was, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, we just, I think we did pay them for the first couple months. And then I like a couple months, we were just like, you know what, we just don't have the money to pay them this month. And then we figured out how to defer them because I, I, I because I didn't know anything about the process and mm -hmm. all that, it was seemed kind of intimidating. I just didn't, like I had multiple loans. I didn't know where they were all were. And now it's super simple. It's like, oh, they're all on this website. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think we did defer them after a little bit, but there were a couple of months where we were just like, you know what, we're just not gonna not gonna do anything. So okay, so dude, tell me about some of the jobs you worked. Because did you work fifty <laughs> actual jobs? Yeah, I worked all hourly paying jobs, and they were all volunteer based, so I could go in for the day. And mm -hmm. so the whole thought was we could go in, um, show up for the day, and uh, apprentice shadow somebody get to actually work a job. And, and then interview people and kind of hear their story about, you know, how they got to where they were and what they love about this job and what they don't and, and kind of just, you know, figure, use that some of that stuff to kind of figure out what we want to do. Um, and so I did, my first job was at a martial arts dojo in Albuquerque, which was insane. Like it was a 13 <laughs> hour day and I'm just like teaching kids something that I've never ever done in my entire life. And um, it was pretty terrifying, but in Alaska, I worked for Denali National Park, so that was my fiftieth job. I got to that shadow awesome. park rangers. Yeah, they. Um, I'd wanted to work in a national park the whole trip, but being government, I just didn't think that I'd be able to reach out to them and uh, get a gig so last minute. And I posted on Facebook, and like a friend of a friend of a friend had uh, knew a guy who was the chief of climbing for Denali National Park, which is the most epic job title ever. Like that's what yeah. we should all aspire to: is to have that <laughs> job title. Um, so he's the chief of climbing. He's like, we got to have Heath come in for his last job here at Denali. And so I was like, heck yeah. I was on the opposite side of Alaska. It's a big state. I was like, I'll rearrange my flights. I will, I will get up there. You just tell me when. And so we hopped on a bus the next day and we drove, we went up to, uh, it was like more than plane tickets to take a bus in Alaska. But anyway, we went up to Denali. It was more than plane they, tickets? 
it was it was crazy it was, was it like it was ice like road over, truckers no it wasn't it was during the summer and <laughs> oh, okay we did, there was four forest fires um but anyway so we got there and they flew us in a helicopter i've never been in a helicopter before we flew up to the base camp of denali uh, which was mount mckinley a few months ago when we went um but we flew up there we landed you know we get out they have to go up to the higher elevation to like save a guy's life who has high altitude sickness and i'm like shadowing all these guys who've been up on the mountain for close to 30 days and, and doing like so we had like um you know fix the cash which is like the uh these little meals and stuff they leave for people uh whenever they go hike whenever they climb up to the top of denali and then they come back down it's their food and like beer usually when they finish and, and so just kind of doing their duties and stuff and we stay the night uh, in this little tent and it's 24 hours of daylight so we woke up the next morning it's like we got this giant mountains peaks on every side of us because we're up on the mountain uh it was insane but i other than that i did like random jobs like last year i did uh i was a zombie at six flags during fright fest i did a job <laughs> some gigs on farms and vineyards and i worked for and then i did like buffalo wild wings and domino's pizza and vitamin shop and just like kind of standard hourly gigs and so mm -hmm. i did a lot of different stuff were there any like super gross jobs, like dirty jobs kind of stuff? Oh yeah, I w worked on a dairy farm in um, in Wisconsin, and uh, that was that was pretty rough. I saw like a placebo coming out of a cow because she oh. just gave birth sick, and I stepped in cow crap, and I had to throw out my pants and my good boots. Um, <laughs> and so that was a rough one because I you had to wake up at three a.m. and yeah. if you saw like multiple yeah. arms on my Instagram that you were saying earlier, that's probably. One oh, is that what it was why. for? <laughs> you gotta get up and milk know. the cows. Actually, my uh, one of my roommate's girlfriends, uh, she comes from a dairy farm. I guess she doesn't live on it anymore because she's in college. But that was her life, basically: get up, milk the cows. Yeah, and you're in Iowa, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so right around the same. What's up? I worked at a bi biker bar in Iowa. A micro bar or a biker bar? Bike. Yeah, like a. Harley biker bar or like a cyclist biker biker bar because we have both. I don't even know what the second one was. I guess it was an off brand. I don't know what if it was a Harley or not. I well, I mean, like um, were I people just, in there like handlebar mustaches and leather jackets, or were they like wearing lycra and, and cycling sunglasses? <laughs> oh no no no! Like it was like a Harley bar. Okay, like a Harley. Bar. Yeah, uh, I thought that was an. I thought you were saying like another type of motorcycle. Yeah, no, it was called Hog Stop Barbecue. Okay, uh, and so it was like a biker bar slash barbecue, and they like microwaved their food. It was like one of the worst gigs. Was I it? just had trouble finding a job in Iowa. Yeah, was it like was it sketchy at all, or was it fine? It wasn't like seedy or anything like that. It was just like we got ready to like cook food and stuff, and, and they handed me a plate and said, "Put it in the microwave." I was like, "Are you serious? This is disgusting." <laughs> like you're you're like big, you're sending putting barbecue in the big. You're giving people leftovers, just like being from Texas. That was like a sin. I just oh couldn't believe yeah. Because you're in Austin, right? So you have, uh, what do they call that, L.A. barbecue or La Barbecue or whatever it is? Uh, we have, there's a really good place in town. The most famous one's called Franklin's Barbecue, and it just shuts down every day at 12 because they sell out, and you have to wait like four hours. But it's just it's like barbecue's right. a big yeah. thing in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I didn't get yeah. to go. I think La Barbecue was the one that I was wanting to go to, but it was the same story. Like it sells out at 1 o'clock or something like that. So we just yeah. went to some random place, but the brisket was so good, and I was like, there's nothing like this in Iowa. <laughs> like we have chain barbecue places that are okay, but I don't yeah. know. It's funny. I'm like, I'm potentially going to move within a year or so. And I'm like looking at all these cities and like the ones in the middle of the country, people are just complaining like, oh, their food scene's not that great. And 
I'm like, okay, I need to take this with a grain of salt because these are people from like California and Texas and the coast yeah. complaining about this and like in Iowa. So it's probably not going to be bad. So where are you thinking you might want to move to? Uh, Denver. Denver. Okay, cool. I, I mean, I haven't, I, I've only gone on like two legit ski trips, but I love to ski and yeah. I love skateboarding and I just love being outside. So I want to experience a place that's like all about the outdoors and Absolutely. I also want to get away from like Iowa's winters are just oppressive. It's just <laughs> six months. I don't know. What yeah. About six months of just cold and dark and snow sticks around forever. And I've heard like in Denver, it does snow, but like it's kind of melts really quickly and it's like sunny all the time. So sounds yeah, awesome. It's yeah. Skiing is my favorite thing to do in the whole world. So that would be awesome. It's so great. I mean, it's like so much of a, hassle to get up the mountain and they get everything ready for it but i don't know just like the rush you get going down the mountain is there's nothing like it yeah i hope i don't die and hit a tree it's great <laughs> <laughs> actually um it was like my first time ever skiing and they were like don't go in the trees and i was just going through the trees <laughs> like an idiot <laughs> i'm like a really full already skier i'm going down the black diamond mogul hills and falling on my face and loving every minute of it <laughs> yeah that's so awesome. Uh, you did the 50 jobs, but you were also doing freelance stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, one, like what kind of freelance stuff are you and your wife doing? And what was your sort of transition period from like full time to getting into it? Cause I know a lot of people want to do it, but they're like, how do I start yeah. freelancing? So, so because we got the sponsorship, that was only, that was about half of our expensive. And then we used some savings and we basically told people instead of like giving us presents at our wedding, just uh, donate to our trip. And mm -hmm. that money lasted half the first month. It wasn't much. Um, and so we kind of had to figure out how we're gonna start making money. Um, and the first thing I did was that mentor who gave me the suggestion, hey, you should go on this trip. Uh, he was had his book coming out through Random House and he wanted to coordinate a book tour. And because I had taken his advice and done this trip, because he was basically like, this is the first time I met this guy. I call him my mentor now because we're close. But um, he basically said, he threw out this random idea to this kid saying, hey, you should work a job in every state in the country. Like, that's a big suggestion. <laughs> then a few months later, he got done writing his book and saw that I was actually doing it. And he was like, holy crap. And I'd like bought an RV and it was like five states in. He was so excited. And so anyway, we kept tabs. He stayed in my RV at WDS last year at 2014 and um and then when we got halfway across the country we were like almost out of money we were about to do a kickstarter to raise money and uh he reached out to me and said hey i'd love for you to help me plan my book tour and um and, and help me build this online course because you guys had video equipment and, and all this kind of stuff and, and then so that was kind of working with him through the last few months of the tour and that's why we went out to california that's where he lives and so we worked together um, I planned, we went on a 25 city book tour across the country. I got to speak with him and we went to like everywhere, like Google, Yale, uh, Stanford, all these big places across the country. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then I started working with him. I helped him build out his online course, filming it. And, and then from there I started getting asked to do that by some other authors and, and people who are doing the online course thing. Uh, and that's allowed us to be, that's kind of been like our primary thing is like filming those courses this year for people. Cause we do video stuff. Mm. And then, um, and then we've also done, you know, just other random gigs. Like we filmed a bunch of weddings here in Austin, uh, this year, which pays really well. Um, and so we, our goal has just been able to, um, we wanted to use that time on the road last year to be able to transition into doing our own thing. And we weren't sure what that would look like, but that's what we've been able to do now. So it's been almost two years coming up on two years this spring. So cool. Did you have any video experience before you started doing this? None. 
Seriously? And you're filming weddings and, and like doing video courses for people? And like, did you just practice a whole ton? I mean, I had no well, video experience either, but I don't know. I've always well, been like, yeah, did I you mean, go to film school? And to be honest, like, I know how to film myself in a room, but doing it at a wedding and like, I wouldn't know what to do. I'd feel so nervous. Yeah. I, oh, I mean, we were terrified when we first got started. It's one of those things. My roommate in college, he was he's been doing it for seven years. Uh, he was my he's my best friend still, and he filmed a documentary when we were in college. And so I didn't actually have any film experience per se, but I would go with him on a couple of his shoots and stuff. And so mm. I guess I did have some experience, but not like filming stuff on my own or or I didn't even have a camera. So mm-hmm. I'll put it like that. Um, but. And so I remember he shot this documentary and it, we aired it in a the, he aired it in a theater and I went and this lady was crying afterwards because it was uh, he was documenting the forest fires that wiped out like 1600 homes her home had got burned down. I thought, how cool is this to be able to reach people through through film and media? I thought this is something I want to do one day. I want to make a documentary over something I'm passionate about. And so whenever we got this gig with Snag a Job they, and they said, we'll send you this good film equipment which is like a Panasonic camcorder with a mini boom mic and then a GoPro. And then halfway through our trip, we realized, hey, we like this film stuff. We want to keep doing this. Um, and so we bought a, a Canon 7D and, and we and we started just playing with it more. And we shot WDS in Portland. And we started just volunteering to shoot gigs for people. Um, one of the guys who, who became a good mentor of ours, his name's Wes Wages. He's like a video guru type guy. He shoots like online courses for um, Mariah the B school, Marie Forleo. Forleo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a big deal. Uh, anyway. And so we just learning from people like that and and doing a bunch of free work. And then I, and then, you know, we did 50 different jobs. And so like, that's a lot of time to like play with the camera and and learn and things like that. So it kind of forces you to, to learn. Um, and also just spending time on YouTube, figuring crap out. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically where all my skill comes from. (laughs) How do I do this on YouTube? (laughs) So was your wife like filming you doing most of the jobs or was part of each experience you filming the like the company and kind of being behind the camera yourself? Yeah. So Alyssa filmed every job. And so she was the sole videographer. Every now and then I would try to take it and just like grab B-roll and she would just be like, do your job. (laughs) Uh, But um, no, she and she didn't have film experience either. And so I basically called her because she she wanted to write a book on this trip. That was her goal. Um, and then I called her and said, Hey, this company wants to sponsor us and send us film equipment. Can we make a documentary? And she said, sure. Uh, and I said, well, you have to be the one to film. And she thought about it and she said, you know, like, this is something you want to do. Let's do it. Um, and so she was cool. She didn't have to, to do that, but, um, and so she would go out and, and we'd show up and we'd say, you know, Hey, my wife's going to be filming and, and I would just show up and do my day of work. And, and she would just walk around with the camera and film us. Oh, that's so cool. Did you, yeah, uh, awesome. were the jobs at all like a source of income that helped with the, the trip? Were they like super the, low paying or? All the jobs were free. I didn't make any money. Oh, from you the volunteered jobs. at all of them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I got tips from a couple of them just because people were nice, but we got a lot of free meals out of them because I worked in a lot of restaurants and got like a t- crap load of free t-shirts. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, that was part of the deal was that, um, I mean, I'm pitching some of these companies like a day or a day in advance. Like, hey, can I come and work there tomorrow? Um, then I throw in the free the free labor part, and that was what landed me. But I got a lot of really cool experience out of it. You know? Yeah. Oh, that sounds totally so, cool. I mean, the Denali thing alone just sounds like puts the cherry on top of the whole experience. Oh yeah, and I did a paddleboarding guide in Maui with during whale season. So there's like Seriously? whale swimming. 
us and like I'm we're out there with like two other I mean I'm a tourist too but um out there with other people and there's whales like popping up. oh it was, it was awesome that sounds almost that might be that might be like right there with the Denali thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I think whales like, right next to you yeah because I, at first I was just like I, I'm gonna try to get any job because I'm having to reach out to these companies on my own uh and all that kind of stuff and so and then towards the end of the trip, as I started figuring out how to reach out to companies, I was like, you know, if I'm going to have to work 50 jobs, I'm going to work some cool ones. Mm-hmm. And then so that's when I started doing some some of these other jobs, not just being a line cook and stuff. <laughs> were you calling them up or were you just sending emails? Like how, what was your kind of initial line to get them interested? Yeah. Well, at first I was doing a, a lot of stuff to try to figure it out. Like my first place I could snag a job leverage their connections to help me find some of them when I first got started. And then like four jobs in was in Vegas and um, I was having to reach out to find my own job there. And so I, I remember I, I made a bunch of calls, just random places and, and emails and basically still couldn't find a job. It took me like a week. And, um, but towards the end of it, I started figuring out the right way to go. And so a lot of the places I would call would be local businesses. So I'd wait, I would call before hours or after hours, leave a voicemail, and then I'd follow up with an email that detailed more of it. So they got to hear my voice and let me let them know I really wasn't like a crazy person. And then I would follow up with like an email about like for like my website that told them like what we were doing and, and what the purpose of this documentary and this project was. Okay. How many uh, rejections yeah. did you get? A lot. Did you get a, a lot? lot of rejection? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every every state I got rejected essentially for a job. There was only one state where I didn't, and that was in Florida. And I only reached out to one company because. I found this really awesome place called New Scooters for Less in Gainesville, Florida. And they just have this awesome website and this really cool owner on there. And I just knew that they were going to be cool enough to to bring me in. They're, like their core values were like, if you're late, bring donuts. And I was like, they're going to hire me. Did you bring donuts? <laughs> I was late and I brought donuts. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful, yeah. dude. So um, going into 2016, like how much student debt do you guys have left? And like, what do you are you planning on paying it off as fast as possible? Still? Yeah. So I think. Right now we're we've paid off right right at fourteen thousand of twenty seven thousand, and our plan is to try to get it paid off in the first six months. Our goal was to try to pay it all this year, but and we've done pretty good on that, mm-hmm. um, especially for being on our own and doing our own thing. Um, but uh, yeah, we want to be able to pay it off in the first six months of next year. Fortunately, I as of like a month ago, I've started getting asked to to do some speaking stuff, and I had not really done any speaking much before that. Like our story went out on CBS, and then conference asked me to come speak I spoke on a bunch of fortune 500 companies and then I gave eight talks in the past month and then like some Damn. one of them like a bigger company uh Chick-fil-a um asked me to come up and do two talks to their company and they're like what's your speaking fee like 2500 <laughs> and they said that sounds good so I said okay dude it's it like blows my mind I remember when I was in college I was a freelance web designer like it was kind of one of my gigs and the first one I ever quoted was like 300 bucks for a website. And uh, I knew that I was low, but I, 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 I felt bad not charging or charging any more than that. So I did a few and then one came up and I was like, okay, I'm gonna charge what I think is a fair rate. And I was so scared and I was like $2,500. And they were just like, yep, sounds good. <laughs> and then- Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's crazy. Like, and with speaking too, like $2,500 seems to be like the low end especially for corporate stuff like yeah i've heard that like 2500 to like five six k maybe going up to 10 for huge schools is like the college speaking rate but like once you get to big companies like 
sky's the limit for some people. Oh, it totally. <laughs> yeah. And I think what was helpful is I went on that book tour and I was kind of his speaking agent earlier this year. And I thought maybe I'll do this one day, not thinking I'll do it in a few months, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just learned his, and his speaking view was like 7,500. And so your mentors, um, I, yeah. And okay. so I was like, I was kind of negotiating on his behalf. So I kind of understood the process and I did my first one at this conference for free. And afterwards they were, and I hired out my friend who does professional sketch noting and it was a really cool presentation. And, um, because it was like a video type thing that went up there and afterwards they're like, don't do this for free again. Like you can, you can make good money doing this. Um, and so yeah, I ended up working out. That's awesome. I think that's going to be one of my focuses for 2016 as well. Really? So doing, maybe we can bounce ideas off cause I would love to, to kind of hear and have some, somebody keep me accountable and, and to learn from in sure, that process. Man. Yeah. We'll be speaking accountability partners then. <laughs> my my first step is to put my speaking page at the, the top of my website because it's like hiding at the bottom and I've I've learned slowly over the months that the bottom menu is basically invisible on my site. Like if there's something down really? there, it might as well not be there because <laughs> people are like, no, that's why doesn't your true. site have a search bottom, function? Bottom bar. Well, I, I was the bottom, bottom bar, bar was really important too, but people were just like, where's the search bar on your site? And I'm like, well, it's in the bottom menu. They're like, oh, I never thought to look down there. Is <laughs> yeah, it? It's it. Your website says it's made by some made by you, but I definitely didn't do it alone or something like that. And then I read all your your like uh, friend. It's like your shout out page, I guess. It's uh, but it's really cool. Oh, I thought my that was a cool idea. Yeah, yeah I should probably. I, like, I need to add I more people to that. I want to steal that idea and do that on my website because I think you that's can really have cool. it, dude. <laughs> I have stolen so many page ideas from so many people. Like the impossible list, completely stole it from my friend Joel. Uh, and then there's like this now page I have completely stolen from Derek Sivers and just like, mm. I don't know. I feel like the web is just like a huge place to just nab ideas from people as long as you like yeah, share and it I, back. To and them. I love the, the bucket list. And I saw that you got that from, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, gosh, uh, rebel nerd fitness. Uh, oh, well, Steve. The, my impossible list. Yeah. I mainly got that from, from Joel Runyon from impossible HQ, oh, but then like okay. Steve's list was like, it was like mixing the two of them. And mm-hmm. I remember like vividly, this was five years ago, but I was like, okay, Steve's is like, if I did Steve's it would be like the most copying thing ever because he like made levels and like did like yeah, safari yeah, yeah. zone and like jungle zone. I'm like, okay. I would feel like it's a total plagiarizer, but like, okay, but Joel's, I'm just going to take the name and like attribute to him. And he was like super cool with it, but yeah, yeah. like both of them. And it's actually cool. Like Steve's building, I think it, I'm, it might be, it's going to be out in like a month from now. He's building a his site book. where you can like make a character oh. and do your own questing like his really? now. Yeah. So it's that is super awesome. cool. Yeah. He was like one of the first people I met at uh world domination summit and we oh, got to real? hang out a couple times. Yeah. Did I, you he's go a to good, that, cool uh, that, like pre-party at the mall yep dude i was at that yep it's weird that we didn't meet there but yeah i was like i was hanging out i played beanbags with steve there and then met a bunch of people that is hilarious yeah i was actually talking about wds in the last episode and like i was like that's where i met a lot of people for next year i might if i do i will probably unconference because i loved the conference but i felt like the most value i got out of it was just like exploring portland with random people i met so I, I can tell you that from being on the, I haven't went to the, I mean, I've worked it both years as kind of a volunteer on the film team. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the most valuable because I went to every session 
and also yeah. a lot of the uh, the academies as well. And being able to just get to hang out with everybody who's part of the core team, hang out with like the speakers and, and all that good stuff. It's like you still get all the value, but it's really just more. That's the conference that really taught me how important just like having friends who are doing the same things that you want to do is. Like, yeah. It's totally it totally rips apart the idea of like going to a conference to network. Instead, it's just like that's one of the best weeks of my year because I just get to go hang out with all of my friends who are doing really cool things. Yeah, yeah. I think my best memories from that conference were hanging out at a bar with Steve, and then uh, I met these two girls, and we just like went to that huge bookstore in Portland. What's uh, Powell's? Oh I think yeah, it's called Powell's. Powell's. Yeah. I I almost want to move to Portland just for Powell's. It's like the really? most amazing yeah. bookstore ever, and we just were like in there for three hours and just. They showed me like all the best places to eat in Portland. I think a friend of mine wants to like get a big house and like mm-hmm. Airbnb it and do that next year. So I'll probably go because I won't have to stay in a hotel by myself. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, definitely awesome. the most value came out of just meeting people and hanging out with them. The sessions were good, but they like definitely took a backstage to just the more personal interactions. I totally agree. Well, dude, awesome story. And thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, definitely we should talk more after the show. Okay, sounds good, man. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it and learned something or at least entertained by it. Uh, Once again, thank you so much for a great 2015. And I will see you next week in 2016 with another awesome episode. I'm looking really looking forward to seeing what comes out and what the podcast kind of turns into in 2016. And uh, hey, if you want to get those show notes, CIGpodcast.com is where you can find them. Once again, episode 90 on the page. And as always, you can find my favorite resources for making your college experience a better one over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. So thanks again for listening, and I will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.